My name is Richard Morales, and I want to welcome you to The Prison Post. This is your podcast for conversations surrounding the need to reform prisons from the perspectives of formerly incarcerated people, community members, and leaders in the restorative justice movement. The Prison Post will feature an episode every Wednesday with people who are in the fight to restore lives and heal communities. All right. Welcome back to The Prison Post number 32. There you famous 32s out there. Uh, super excited to be on the show today. This, my name is Richard Morellis. I'm the director of communications with the Crop Organization and also the host of the Prison Post podcast. You can visit our website at croporganization.org to learn more about what we're, what we're doing today. I got the famous co-host with me, my favorite guy in red, Jason Bryant. More like infamous. I don't know about famous. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit famous. Uh, CNN, Lisa Ling, uh, episode one, season seven. From prison to prep school that was an amazing show you guys want to check it out 299 on youtube uh, a little shameless plug there but today we're continuing our um our ready for life series with our associates we have kc matthews on the show with us welcome kc looking rather dapper hi everybody thank you yeah. for having me yeah it's good to see you it's good to have you actually sure. getting married in october and uh some of my groomsmen like jason don't know that uh we might be choosing bow ties <laughs> yeah Jason, <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you a tip. <laughs> no, I'm going to need it. I must confess, I feel underdressed when I'm uh, sitting in, in some space with someone dressed as fly as yourself, Casey. No, because you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> Casey is at work. Yeah. And uh, he he's our third Ready for Life associate to join us on the Prison Post podcast to share his experience, his story. Uh, what he's doing today. Casey works at TGIJP. It's not an easy acronym to memorize, but it's the Transgender Variant uh, Intersex Justice Project. He's a formerly incarcer- incarcerated, passionate uh, criminal justice reform advocate and, and uh, just an amazing person uh, who doing some great, who's doing some great work out there in San Francisco, lives and works in San Francisco, helping um, justice-involved people, LGBTQ community members, and uh, transgender community at uh, fine uh, jobs, housing, and we'll get into all that, KC, but we're uh, a little over two months into our Ready for Life cohort. It's been a pleasure having you on. We, Jason's our director, Crop Organization's director of restorative programs. We meet every night from 5.30 to 9.30 uh, with me as a coach till seven, but Jason, you guys go till 9.30 doing uh, Leadership for Life, Leadership Development, professional work skills development, digital and financial literacy training. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think we're going to end up missing you uh, guys when you head on to the, you know, B2B sales representative training in the tech industry. And there might be a, you might, it might be a sad week. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I know because we the first ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We the first ones. And it's like, you know, we always just as involved. So it's, it's like coming from coming from there and, and meeting new people and building relationships and friendships. So I'm definitely going to miss you and the knowledge. Well, you miss you. Have this. That's right. <laughs> you, you might miss Rich. You ain't going to miss me. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> to be tech sales too. You never know. It's always good to en- enhance your skill set. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, Casey, I was talking to Jason earlier, like, Let's just talk about some of the things we've learned about Casey along the re- along the way on our journey together over the last two 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 and a half months, and uh, one of the things that came out, you know, just being passionate passionate about your work as a criminal justice reform advocate, about being a resource to your community. Why does that uh you know tug on your heartstrings? Why 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 does that matter to you so much? Why is it significant? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I think that. Uh, things that are passionate to me and that touch my heart and make me want to advocate for things is things that I've been through. For instance, like the foster care system, um, the juvenile system, uh, the group home system, things like that, housing, um, having issues with housing and incarceration and different things like that. So those are my main focal points when it comes to advocating because I've been through it. I've been through it enough to lead someone else through it. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. Isn't that, isn't it true that it's one of the areas where we find our passion in life with the things that we know the most about, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to connect with somebody that, 
they're talking about something that they haven't lived, but it's your lived experience, your life experience. In fact, um, um, you, you were incarcerated at one time, but you've been out for some time now. Would you share how long you've been out and how soon after was it when you uh, were asked to be a part of a documentary? And just tell us a little bit about that documentary and, and what, why they chose to follow your life, Casey. Okay. So um, August, this, this August will be three years that I've been out. Um, when I first was released from uh, CCWF, which is in Chowchilla, California, um, I actually didn't know where I was going to go uh, because prior to me being arrested, I was only 18 years old and I got out when I was 30. So I spent all of my 20s in there. And so I didn't really have family support like that. Like my family's around and they live in, but they're all on welfare. And, you know, my mom was on drugs. That's why we was taken when we was younger. I'm the sixth kid of nine. So um, I really didn't know what my life was going to consist of. All I knew is that failure was not an option for me. So um, originally I was supposed to get out and come to straight to San Francisco to join Walden House, which is another um, transgender accepting organization out here. Um, but like uh, two weeks before I was ready to parole, they denied me. Um, they said due to the fiscal year, no funding. So I really didn't know what was going to happen to me, where I was going to go, anything like that. So there was a pilot program that had just got started, kind of like y'all's did. That's why I'm like, I feel blessed to be have, to have been chosen for this program too. But I was the first participant of a program in Oakland called Impact Justice. Um, they originally had a, a program going to where uh, when the youth commit crimes, they'll, instead of incarcerating them or locking them up, they'll... Um, They'll sit sit the person who got stolen from down and then sit the, the kid down and talk to them and, and explain how their actions impacted them and how their actions impacted them instead mm. of incarceration. And mm. so from there, they branched off to wanting to start a pilot program for housing. And I was the first participant to have to get chosen where they find um, empty rooms in people's houses that's willing to rent. And they basically... Um, allow you to stay there for six months and pay your rent. So that was a real blessing for me because like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to go. And that came through like two days before I was ready to parole. So once I got out, um, I, my, my third day out, I had, I wound up getting a job. Um, my second day out, I got, went to the DMV to get my California ID, my social security card. And, you know, um, everything was just moving for me really quickly. Um, and then that's when the program had heard about me and um, Impact Justice and being a first participant. And they wanted to cut. They came from New York. They called Now This to do that documentary on me. I actually have it right here. I'm not sure if you've seen it or not. Um, but, yeah, if you go on a website. Yeah. Uh, my my pictures still come up. OK. Um, yeah. But this was the first picture I took when I got out. And that was the that was my host, which is uh, she opened her house to me. Okay. So I was there with her for six months, and and then once the program was over, I pretty much had to go on my own. Um, yeah. So, so I, I have a, a question, observation, and a question. So impact justice, correct? So this is this is a program that actually connected, you know, people who committed crimes with the people with the victims. Did you? Uh, Yes, prior to pri I'm sorry, prior to them wanting to open housing, this the, the pilot program, yeah. they had that separate program, you know, where, where uh instead of locking the kids up, they would sit yeah. them down. Did but you get did you get an opportunity to participate in that yourself? No, not that part. Okay. No. no right. I was only in Oakland um for about a year and a half. So my third day out I had wound up getting a maintenance job and then I, everything was going good, and, and then that situation happened. Okay. And the, the reason I ask, KC, is because there's there's a distinction between what they were offering there, um, which is a, a, a form of, in the truest sense, of restorative justice. Mm -hmm. The restorative justice is very much, it's victim-centered, and it's it looks to work on uh, people's rehabilitation by having those interactions between people who commit crimes and, and people who are victims of them. But the program that we do, We're Ready for Life, is is a transformative program. It's transformative. And I'm, and I'm curious, like in which the distinctions between what you saw happen in that program with the restorative justice, which is great, and what you've been experiencing in the transformational uh, personal leadership 
for yourself? What like what what has your experience been in the program? Well, for me, I definitely want to say like the first orientations night, I was I was like in awe at the the wisdom that you spoke. You know, the words that came out of your mouth, it was like, wow, like that make a lot of sense, you know? And I can remember talking to my friend and saying how, man, I want to tell this guy how smart he is, how how impactful his words is to my life, but I don't know how to word it. I was like, I want to say he, I, I had said what I wanted to say you were like, but my friend said, don't say that, don't say that, you know? But I was like, well, not in a bad way, but his words just... It, are powerful to me that it makes me want to do right. Like make like y- your teachings made me want to go look into my credit, you know, made me want to go pay a, a, a collection agency, you know, um, <laughs> things like that. So I'll just tell you what, what I was going to say, but don't take it the wrong way. But I, I really felt like, I was like, he's like so smart. Like the words he, he says, it's like, it, it draws me and make me want to, I was like, he hit, is that how like Charles Manson was like? Uh, <laughs> he was like, "Don't say that! Don't say that!" I was like, "No, not in a bad way, but you know how everybody listened to him, yeah. <laughs> like just oh, in that way, like that's." But I, I, that way. I promise. But well, he was like, "No, just say, just say how very impactful he is in your life." And so sure. I never said it. It's a doubt. No. Well, but, I, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate your honesty, Casey. I want to say this. You know you. You give me and, and maybe Rich and our team way too much credit. Um, what's true is absolutely true is any value that you've gotten from this program, which it sounds like you've gotten a lot, has been a direct result of your participation and your willingness to show up and, and, and put the effort out. Like that's what it is. It has very little to do with what we say as much as what you choose to apply to your life. And and you're doing a fantastic job. So my hat, if I had one off, had had one on, we go off to you. Uh, most definitely. Thank you. I appreciate it. But the most impactful thing, like, and what means the most to me is the fact that, like, like even with my gender and being who I am, like, I was still given a, a equal chance, you know, mm-hmm. and that means a lot to me. And um, because that's all we really want, people. Well, I that's all I ever wanted was somebody to give take a chance on me, you know, and believe in me. Right. So I really appreciate throughout all the 25 people that had interviewed for that. I was one of the top 15 and I always think about that, you know? And then, so when you always ask it a question, like, well, when you always ask the question, like, well, what do you, what, what is something that you used to think of thoughts that you used to think of that you see is no longer serving you, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I'd be thinking about that because, you know, younger I was, fed negativity. And I started to believe those things, you know? So barely when I started working on myself that I learned, like I'm more than that. Like when I got my GED in in prison, I was like, Oh, I'm smart. You know, Mm -hmm. then I went for my AA and I I felt good. You know, I only got my GED because my dad was on his deathbed and he asked me to. Uh, But after that, I took it upon myself to take the college classes because I realized that I was smart, you know? So, um, That's another thing uh, is that I, 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 I be down on myself and I'm realizing that those things aren't true. So it's something that I could no longer like believe or put energy in. That's right. Yeah, and it's true that in our program, some of those are some of the things that we will bring out in Ready for Life as some of those life sentences. And you don't got to be in life in prison to have a life sentence. Some of those stories that have, we've been telling ourselves that are not necessarily true but that somehow we started using because of our past experiences to limit ourselves, to limit us in our thinking and our future and our careers. And, and to your point, KC, about our program, you know, welcoming you, people have asked us, you know, what, it, what, is, what are the, you know, what excludes people from joining crop organizations, ready for life program. We said, there are no exclusions. It's, we're all, we're all inclusive. And uh, the only requirement is, you know, that, that you'd be just as impacted and, um, and, and you be committed. And what? And you be committed, committed to the program. Commitment. Let's let's talk about commitment. Uh, uh, and I and I want to get into commitment right now. Uh, KC, this is probably one of your one of your busiest days. First of all, you got up this morning, went to work. You're at work right now. Uh, you're on our podcast right now. Tonight you'll be on Ready for Life from five thirty to nine thirty. You're also on our take Instagram stories. Uh, Takeover Tuesday today. 
or you'll be answering questions from our 700 followers or so. They'll be asking questions throughout the day and you're recording 15, 30 second videos. So that's the kind of commitment that we're looking for in Ready for Life as well. Somebody who's who's willing to grind it out for six months or a year and uh, because they're committed to their future, a future worth having uh, that you have certainly uh, earned and deserved. Earlier when you're talking about Jason, it's kind of funny because uh, you're saying like, was it, you know, is this how Manson was? <laughs> but here's the thing, and uh, you'll, you'll find this and you study leadership books, especially like Dr. John C. Maxwell. They say that leadership is influence. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. It's the ability to influence others in a positive direction or a negative one like he did. Right. Right? Right. And, so, and so, you know, Jason, you know, why do you think I stay so close to this guy? One of my closest friends. Uh, and when I'm when I'm going through something, I'll call him. Because I, he's earned it through his transformed life and lifestyle, through his way of being, his thinking. I know he has my best interest at heart. And when people begin to wear that as a leader, it's influential in a positive way. Uh, we're, we're super happy uh, that you're on the show today, KC, and able to share that. You know, when we were talking earlier with Jason, we wanted to ask, you know, what were some of the struggles? You talk about 18 to 30 years old being incarcerated. I know what that's like. Um what were some of the struggles that you had in there in the carceral system and how did you overcome them? Well, uh, it's kind of funny because I, I always felt like my whole life I had to be an advocate for myself. And but me advocating for myself, always me taking the stripes, always opened the door for people behind me to not face things anymore, you know. So a lot of a lot of the stuff that I dealt with in there was discrimination from a lot of the officers being transgender in there with facial hair in a woman's prison. Um, I faced a lot of stuff. You know, I would try to get boxers made out of sheets and they'll search my room and write try to try to write me up. And, you know, prior to going to come into prison, going to prison, I just remember being angry, angry because I was in foster care, angry because I wasn't with my family. And it's nine of us, nine of my sisters and brothers, angry because my mom was on drugs, angry because I was different and treated different that I'd rather be a runaway in the street. So I had a lot of anger in me, you know, um, but I realized that when I got locked up that the first 602 that I did against the officer uh, was uh, about the facial hair situation. And now 602 that all the way to Sacramento, you know, and I felt the sense of power, you know, that I could be assertive with my words and articulate myself in a way to where I don't have to be violent. I don't have to lash out in anger or violence. Mm -hmm. So um, I found a lot of strength after that first, you know, when I seen those positive results, you know, so a lot of over the course of my 10 years, that was pretty much my, 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 my biggest thing was advocating for myself being transgender in, 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 a, in a place where, you know, it was new for them. Um, and also uh, some some of them didn't even want to learn or know. So um, I, I, I was an advocate for myself in there that whole time, pretty much. Um, and and I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to parole 10 years, no write-ups. Um, I was actually supposed to get out two years before I, I did with CCTRP. But because I was on injections, um, I got off of my injections to get out and um, had a side effect that I had to get back on. Them. So, um, yeah, I wound up staying that extra two years. But um, and then even then once. But but I realized that that being in there was just preparing me for when I was to be released, because so I was released, you know, the first job that I had as a, um, a maintenance worker in, in Oakland, one of the biggest homeless shelters out there, I was discriminated against uh, by a supervisor who outed me to my coworkers. So for a year and a half, I was facing, you know, them trying to get on my social media, drive past my house, you know, cause it was local. Five of the facilities were surrounding where I lived. Right. And then that was a point, a point of time in my life where I had to leave the area. And I actually went down to LA with my family. Wow. Until I figured out mentally what I was going to do. And then I realized I would just take them to court and I got a lawyer. And let's just say that no one else will face that discrimination. Um, and then, you know, so I was without a job for a year and a half, no medical, no nothing. Um, because of the way the HR put it, you know, job abandonment. Mm -hmm. so I couldn't get Medi-Cal or food stamps or anything. 
uh, medical insurance, using the same needles, you know. Um, but, you know, it's, I always go through those those hard things, um, but it always seemed to just open the door for somebody else behind me. So sure. ultimately, I look at it like that and, and I'd be okay, you know. So as someone, Casey, who's so committed to, you know, advocacy and, you know, fighting for yourself and, like you said, opening the door for people behind you, what are some things that you see could change with the way they help transgender individuals in, in the system? What are some of the policy changes that you, you envision? Well, I definitely have a couple of things in mind. Um, I did want to go back into the foster care systems mm-hmm. because I was in a foster care system from the age of three till I, you know, basically got locked up at 18 as a runaway. Um, and I just have lived experience to where I could actually, well, it's mandatory by law now that all social workers and um, and foster parents have to take a LGBTQ training once a year. So when I heard about that, I was like, okay, cool. Nobody else, you know, the kids, at least they have protections now, you know, right. and it's recognized. So um, that's a passion for me is to go back into the foster care s- system, the agencies, um, and just pretty much, you know, talk to them. I could I could sit down in a room and talk to uh, uh, the 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 LGBTQ foster kid and let them know my experiences and what I experiences and what is some things they could do to be heard or to be seen or to you know to where they don't have to be a runaway. And then I could also at, at the same token look at the foster parent and say, hey, you know, um, if 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 you're seeing A B C you know, with, with the kid, they may not, it may not be something weird about them. Cause I was always called weird and this and that it, they may just be facing gender identity issues, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, I could tell them different ways of how to deal with them based on my experiences and what made me feel uncomfortable and what made me feel more comfortable being a runaway in the street, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like um, that's a, that's something that I really want to get my feet into as well as when I do go back into the prisons and stuff, because they can look at, they remember me from when I was there, you know, um, and to look at me now, you know, like I said, August would be three years that I've been out and I've accomplished a lot, a lot, lot, lot that I'm, I'm proud of myself and just want to be a most motivation to the people that I left behind, you know, which are still friends and, right. you know, family. That what, we what are some of those accomplishments, particularly in legislation? We know that you, you've, work with some legislatures on some laws. Would you be willing to share some of that, Casey? Sure. Um, I actually brought some stuff right here. So, um, Casey got props. <laughs> this is the building. I was an electrician in there. So that was the supervisor electrician. Sure. We built two buildings inside of, inside of the one prison, a mental health facility and a, um, and a pharmacy. So I'm a third level uh, electrician, but I just can't pass the math. So that's that. Um, oh, this this is the building. Okay. See, it's seventy five thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. And then this was like the graduation. Okay. Um, but this is what this is what I did when I when I got out. It was a Senate bill SB one thirty two. One thirty two. Yeah, to protect the transgenders incarcerated and to be able to get like you know the name changes and stuff. So. That was me. Dignity Act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that. And then uh, this is the letter that Scott Wiener wrote me. Thank you letter way back then. That's Senator Scott Wiener, right? Yes. And, yeah. you know, his his thing is he's all about housing and wanting to create more housing for the homeless and this, you know. So, um, um, yeah, so I've, I've done that. Uh, this is the program that I was telling you that I was a part of. So if you mm-hmm. go on the website, Impact Justice. Um, my, my picture pops up first still, which is cool. Um, um, what else have I done? Uh, so after I lost that job, um, I was able to pick up little odd jobs. I got blessed to be able to work at the UPS airport in Oakland. So I was going there like three o'clock in the morning to work late night shifts, uh, just to try to get a little income. And then from there, I was able to become a driver to where I had my own route, which was cool, you know, and then things just got driving. Uh, UPS truck, the big truck, okay. the big brown truck. Okay. Yeah. And then um, it was, cra- it was pretty crazy. Cause uh, do you, you guys know Caltrans? Yes. Caltrans, right. 
So I had, yeah, that was like, I was there only one day and I faced I faced that issue again where it was a supervisor in a van with eight guys that just got out of prison and he just started talking and said, hey, did you guys hear what happened to LeBron James' son? And everybody was like, what, what, what? And I'm sitting way in the back and I'm like, oh my God, here we go. You know, he just, it just went on from there and he's just like, oh, I hate gay people. I hate this. And so it was just like real uncomfortable. Anyway, somebody reported it. And then, so they wound up getting me out of there. And, um, but anyway, I got blessed and got offered this job that I have now. And so mm-hmm. that's how I was able to move from Oakland to San Francisco, as well as they also helped me with housing. Cause like I said, I was living in the same area as the last job. KC, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'll say a few things while you while you straight out the bow tie. You got to remember when you're on uh, when you're on camera, you got to do it the other way. It's backwards, right? Oh yeah. So, uh, Jason, you, remember that. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> you look good, right? Now you're good. You straightened uh, out. I want to say this to you, Casey. You know, there's so many people who who make excuses in life. They 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 talk about what they can't do and and all the and the hard times and the trauma. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's a lot of it's real. Some of it's perceived. Some people use it as an excuse to justify mediocrity. You know, I've heard just enough in your story and in the last two months to know that, you know, whether it be in the foster care system or early incarceration or some of the discrimination that you faced that, um, you know, you certainly could be someone who uses what's happened as an excuse to justify mediocrity. But instead, you've come out as a as a passionate advocate somebody who's not only working hard for your own, you know, uh, upward mobility, but also for others to serve others. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when somebody, I mean, you were perfect for crop, you were perfect for crop because you know, that's really what we're trying to build in that mindset for others that, you know, we got to be our own advocates first, no matter what happened in the past, we can't change it. Right. We can't change what happened in the past. It, it's at some point static. It's sad. It, it, it's unfortunate. It is what it is. But what are you going to do with the life that you have today? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for the choice with the choices that you have available and the attitudes that you have available today? Not only for you, but for others and for the future you desire. What are you going to do? And you know, to see what you just shared about the accomplishments and and thank you for having them ready available. Rather, by the way, <laughs> there's someone who comes prepared. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, to see to see you involved like that, man, I just see Jason, his, you know, his face lighting up with, you know, a proud smile. Uh, I'm proud of you, you know, Thank and, you. Uh, and, and, and we love, we love you, Casey. And I uh, I, I'm glad to see you out helping people in the way that you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, yeah. I always say like, you know, like, I think that my first um, realization was like growing up. I, I, I'm spiritual. And so I believe, in the God for, you know, and then I started doubting, you know, cause the things that I went through when I was younger, I started doubting, but then I kept being blessed with things, you know? And then I, I started asking myself, well, if God don't like gays or if God don't like this or God, why am I so blessed? You know? So I stopped using that as an excuse for me to thank him or believe in him and with my own spirituality. And then that helped me with other aspects of my life. Like, okay, well, I'm not stupid or I'm not weird or I'm not dumb or I'm not, you know, I started eliminating all of those things when I started seeing the potential in myself and what I can do, you know? And then also like, this is what I preach more so today is that like, I can navigate through society right now as a cis man and nobody would probably know that I'm transgender, but I chose, I choose to um, out myself because when it, I'm at a point in my life where I'm okay with myself. And so I don't want to just sit up there comfortable and okay with everything that I've been through when there's people going through stuff um, like I did right now, you know? So I feel like I always want to throw the ladder back down and support and let people know that they're not alone and that, hey, this is who I am as well. So that's where I get that from, Richard. Well, leaders go first. And you're definitely leading. Um, it's, a, it's a it's a noble cause, and and really what I'm hearing you talk about, Casey, is system change, systems change, and you know that's that's part of our mission too. You know we're we're working towards systems change and reentry, and, and it sounds like you are doing the same work when it comes to equality and and you know recognizing people's 
uh, ability to be treated with fairness, with fairness. So that's most admirable. And a lot of times when people have experienced a lot of hurt, um, there's something about what God does where he gives those of us the ability to contain the suffering of others mm. and get amongst the suffering of others and help them. You know, I'm a God-fearing person. I know that God loves you. He loves all of us. And and if he was here walking walk the earth, and he is, but in a tangible body, he'd be among, amongst the suffering. He'd be, he'd be there. You know, you know, Tenderloin and and, uh, you know, downtown and, and all the neighborhoods um, where people are hurting the most. And uh, if we could quit equip people with our program, you know, people will make their choices. We're talking about a career in tech. But, you know, that's that's that that's your career development. But with the leadership development people say, you know what, I want to give back and what they want to give back. What about that common denominator? We haven't talked about it yet, Jason. And I love to hear even your thoughts. You know, when we were doing uh, our enrollment process, and like you said, we had you know probably eighty applications come in, and then we broke them. We broke. We finally narrowed it down to twenty-five people, and then there were fifteen people that were chosen. You're one of them, Casey. And I just think about you know what we didn't know and what wasn't on the applications. I know. (laughs) In the foster care system. Yeah. Common denominator there. What do you think is going on there? And um, um. What has that done for our community? Um, I just think that, like, I just think that I don't, I don't want to blame anyone. I don't want to hate anybody no more. Or, you know, I just want to just believe that people, it's just new to people, you know, and people just need to be educated. Like when people ask, when people, like I used to tell people in prison, I'd rather you ask me a question than to assume, you know, mm-hmm. I'd rather educate you than for you to run around with rumors and of what's not true, you know? So, um, and it's okay if people don't know or don't understand or don't want to misgender it. That's perfectly fine because it's, it's new, but I just think that just education, just educating, you know, and, and not necessarily educating, but like, what am I comfortable with? Like, like I wrote, like my, my, my pronouns is he, him. That's how I like to be referred to, you know? Um, and it's just like, but in a nice way, I feel like, because I've, I've seen other people who say things like in a rude way and come off angry and, you know, that, that won't get a person that will get a person to just disrespect you even more. Sure. I've seen, but it's more so just because that person can be like, Oh, well, I really didn't know. And then you, jumping down their throat, you know? So I believe that it's not what you say, it's how you say it and, and your deliverance in it. Um, but I think that it's it's becoming more uh, talked about, more seen, and um, it's, it's more light being shed to it that um, sooner or later, it, it'll be just like a normal thing. Casey, what do, you, what do you want to take away from the Ready for Life program? What do you hope to walk away with? Um, I want to continue to, uh, get skills like, you know, the wisdom and the knowledge and the intellectual things that, that y'all come and deliver the, the guests that you bring on delivers, um, because I'm like a sponge and I like to learn. So when I hear something that's, that draws my attention, it is really, it's really, um, it means a lot to me, you know? So this whole program does, it, it really does. Uh, like I said, from the beginning, um, it has been a, a blessing to me. And y- y'all didn't even know that I, y'all didn't even know that I was transgender during the interview process. I don't think you guys actually found out until after when we did th- the three day thing, when, when you did the victim uh, speech. And then right. I said, yeah, that's when you guys found out. So it, it always touches my heart. Like, it's still good people out. Like I was chosen because of what you guys seen and what I delivered, not because of anything else, because you guys didn't know. You mean and we that, didn't change up on you? Huh? We didn't change up on you after we found no. out? No. <laughs> All right. I mean, you know, I'll say, I'll say this, you know, and I don't know if it's politically correct or not, but the truth of the matter is, Casey, it doesn't even matter. Uh-uh. We see, we see who you are as a person, as a human being yeah. and what you're committed to. 
And that's why you were selected. That's why you were selected because you wanted something new for your life and you and you showed up as someone who was willing to do the work. All the rest is, it really doesn't matter. And I think at the end of the day, what matters most is character, you know? There's a, whether we're talking about the system, the foster care system, the prison system, people, trans, straight, you know, what character are you bring into the world? What value are you bring into the world? Whose life are you impacting? You know, what are you doing with your life, the life that you were given? And um, that's, I think, that's that's important to us, living for causes that are greater than yourself mm-hmm. and the character you live by today. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned something a minute ago, Casey, that triggered a question for me. And what I wanted to ask is, you know, if there was that one story in the in your your experience so far working with Jason and crop organization, 530 to 930 at night, there was that one story that sticks out to you that was like, man, you know, that that touched your heart or, you know, it impacted you. Something that was said, a word or a story. What was it? What was it? I've asked Luis that I've asked Jesse that and they both had their answer. But I'm curious about yours. Well, I would sound redundant to say like the very beginning, um, like the words that he was speaking during the during the uh, after the interview process when we did the three day workshop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you was just just I can't I, I honestly don't know the words verbatim that he was talking. All I know is that I was sitting there and I felt like my mouth was hanging open and I was just getting it all in. And I just kept saying like. Yeah, like I wanted to interrupt saying like to be like, yeah, yeah, like I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then uh, but even now, um, just the fact that you guys brought up the whole credit thing and how important it is made me want to go actually pursue fixing it and looking into it. So I don't know. I, I think it's still a lot to come that I can I can learn from and appreciate. Jason definitely could have had a life as a banker. <laughs> uh, uh, that's I mean that's 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 a great thing to hear, Jada, to hear that you know we we're over here doing leadership for life, and somebody gets inspired to want to go get their credit fits. Yeah, they because I never I've never re- until this class I never really cared or thought about how important credit is because you just I just spent money, you yeah. know, and so but when it comes time to want to go apply for an apartment or you know something like that, they look at credit. And so I didn't really pay much attention to it until it started being brought up in this class. And that is the financial aspect of a program. Jay, would you speak to that some? Well, sure. I mean, I mean, I think we have uh, a, a pretty good model that provides our associates with a stipend that's broken up into three different accounts. One account is for to help you know, ease some of the economic burden in their checking account that they can spend as they see fit. And then there's a a separate account that's established for secure credit card to help them build credit over the course of the program. Uh, Some of the associates who come into the program uh, are coming in with the zero credit score. Some have, you know, uh, some, some serious credit issues and, and the whole purpose of the secure credit card is to help them build it back up. And then the third account is a savings account, which is released to them upon graduation to help them secure housing, uh, to pay for the first and the last on, on a place of their own. Uh, so, in, and along with that, you know, we, we provide uh, with our, through our partnership with Beneficial State Bank, uh, financial literacy training uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays, where we kind of walk people through uh, how to how to save money and how important credit is. And, and I'll say this, Casey, I've been learning a lot too. <laughs> because, yeah. There you go. There it is. <laughs> but even the guest speakers that you bring on, like mm-hmm. Akbar, Akhtar, mm-hmm. Akhtar, like his his metaphor speaking is like wow. You know, is is it 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 makes me want to learn because I love the Buddha metaphors that they have. It's just positive, positive. Everything is positive about it. Sure. You know that they say. You know sure. about life is good and this. You know things like that. So. So it's all about, it's all about man, manifesting our futures, right? Like the, yeah. the story that's going on between our ears and the actions we're putting behind those stories are creating our future. And uh, speaking of that, I want to ask you, Casey, where do you see yourself five years from now? Um, and I see myself as a constant inspiration to other people, 
Um, I think that that's just, if I could just change, help one person, then I feel like I did my job. So um, I don't know. I just want to be uh, a pillar and somebody that, you know, people know, hey, I was in there locked up for 10 years. Same, you know, I came from nothing and here I am. I didn't allow uh, failure to be an option. So, and that's wherever I'm at in my life. I just, that that will always be a burning desire is to try to like help other people as well and lead them. Well, I'll tell you this and I'll speak for Rich. You help two, you help two people right here, right now, just by sharing your story and uh, being, being, being you and being generous and uh, being for other people. Uh, so I say that you're going to help a lot more than one or two. That's right. You're just getting started. Let's start there. It reminds me of a uh, Jason starfish story. He gets mm-hmm. to tell it in a, in, a, in a minute or so. We haven't told that one on the show before, but you mentioned Akhtar Badshaw a minute ago. He spent 30 years at Microsoft building a culture of giving. And uh, he's been, or his book is on our website on our recommended books page, uh, purpose mindset. And uh, he's been generous with his time uh, um, and to come on our show, and, I mean, uh, on our Ready for Life program and and offer his tools on leadership and on purpose. And uh, I mean, what a what a what a better world we live in. If people uh, were intentional about tapping into their purpose. And it's all, not always clear. Right. Sometimes the, the sometimes it's foggy on what it is. But if we got intentional about it a little bit every day and began stepping into it, um, we get a little clearer. And I think it starts with uh helping somebody uh, jay you're gonna hit us with the with the, with the starfish story <laughs> sure so uh, one day there was a, a little girl walking down the beach and hundreds of starfish had washed up on the beach and she starts walking around one at a time and begins throwing them back into the ocean and a man who was jogging by stopped and he said you know what are you doing look at all these starfish there's no way that what you're doing is going to make any difference. And the little girl had a starfish in her hand and she said, well, it makes a difference to this one. And she threw it in and her saying that to him kind of sparked something in his thinking and he began to help her. And then more people who were on the beach as they, as the sun was rising, began to help them. And before you knew it, before the day was out, all the starfish were back in the ocean where they belong. So it starts with one person making a decision that they're going to make a difference much like you've done, Casey. And uh, watch how people will rally around that. That's what's up. That's what's up. Left your speechless, huh, Casey? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about, because it was like, it, it means something to him. And then just do it, you know? Like, it doesn't matter if I could save them all as long as I touch one person. Mm-hmm. So that's true. I like, when, I like what you said, you know, where they belong, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, we were born on this earth. We didn't belong in prison. Mm-hmm. We didn't belong there, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we can remind people with our work. Um, we don't know where everyone belongs. We don't know what everyone's purpose is, but we'll, we'll, we'll take a stand for them to help them plant their flag that they will um, find it, look for it, get intentional about it. And as you do, what, what a journey it is. I mean, no matter what happened in the past, like I said earlier, shared earlier, you know, you start, I, sometimes I get calls like, hey, what was it like in prison, you know? And I spend so little time thinking about it. When I do think about it, I get emotional, mainly because of the people that are left behind that I love. Mm. But when you're spending a lot of time thinking about the future and who you're going to help and all that, it takes the focus off of self mm-hmm. and uh, all, the, you know, the, all the negative or the bad that may have happened in the past. And we don't have too much time for that. What we got time for, it's only so much time on left on this earth. What are you going to do with it? Um so uh, KC, um, this prison post probably be saw seen uh, by future people who go through Ready for Life, our Ready for Life program. Probably going to watch your podcast and see w- what your experience was like. Uh, we're working with uh, CDCR to get our podcast on the institutional channels in there, you know, uh, and to to so they could see, be inspired, or you know, who knows how it'll impact every single person. If you had some words. For those watching in the in the future, whether they're justice impacted, who will, you know, 
consider joining our program or still incarcerated who are preparing themselves for their freedom, what would you say? Um, I definitely say um, to just take a chance, you know, um, <clears throat> and I'm giving it from the perspective of me is because I was given a second chance. I feel like at life uh, being out here right now. And so I try to live every day like it's my last be a better person than I was the day before. So I would just say, you know, everything happens for a reason. And if, if this resource came across your lap, then it was meant for a reason, whether you, you know, take it or take something away from it. Um, it was meant, it was meant to come across your life for a reason. So, and I'll always be a phone call away. They don't have to see the video. (laughs) Definitely. So speaking of that, uh, before Jason shares like some final words, uh, Let's talk about that. Resources. Uh, people are people. You're a resource. The work you do is a resource. What's what's your title? And then people in need of resources with the organization you work for today. How do they reach out to you, your organization? Um, yeah, that's it. Yes. So um, I work for TGIJP and I'm a housing navigator. Um, uh, and basically, my job consists of uh, we have the DMV fee waivers. Um and then as clients come in and they need the California IDs, uh, I either take them and lift to the DMV, which I have a report with them, and we go straight to the front of the line and they get they they receipt the same day. Um, I, I'm also in charge of taking making sure that they have their social security cards, which is right up the street here. Birth certificate, we we deal with another organization that can get it um, as like a fee waiver, which is St. Anthony's. Um, I've, I've built resources for the food bank. I actually still go to um, Oakland, my organization. They donate food from the food bank to bring it here. So now they have that resource here. Um, um, uh, uh, they like food stamps, you know, I have with the food stamps, any job resources I see, I try to provide it because our organization is mostly um, transgender uh, homeless people or recently incarcerated. So it's like um, that population, like is like most of them are sex workers. So they really don't have incomes and stuff like that. So um, whenever San Francisco does anything for that, the community, we, I always try to like pull those resources in. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's pretty much, TGIJP, they have three facilities where they house uh, this majority trans women um, here. Um, and yeah, I just, I just I, I've just come with whatever I, resources I had and knowledge that I have and just try to lead them and guide them the same way I did when I got out. Mm-hmm. How to go to DMV, how to go to Social Security, everything that I did when I got out, I just try to lead people that same way. And I've been successful ever since. Okay. Well, I just want to, you know, recognize your value, Casey, as a servant leader. And thank you for your participation, not only in our program, but in your own life. I experience you as fully participating in your life. And uh, that's where it's at. And when you were sharing all those accomplishments, the one thing you left out is that you will be the first graduate of crops ready for life program. Right. And that's, that's, that's a, that's going to be a big one in my book, if nowhere else. And I, I know I'm Mine's too. I'm grateful. I was chosen for the second pilot program. I mean, that says, that means a lot. Like, like, wow. Because anybody that come after me, is kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's an umbrella effect. Yeah. That's why I try to always, you know, be respectful wherever I go, no matter what, because they always think of, you know, they always stereotype people. So I don't want to give nobody that, uh, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm excited. And then yeah. I also reached back out to that organization to tell them thank you, because they actually sent me the resource for this class. That's dope. So, yeah. Through email. So, yeah. Well, Casey, uh, I'm grateful for you, uh, Coming on the Prison Post podcast, this is our uh, third episode in the series with our Ready for Life Associates. 
And uh, something you said reminded me of something that Dr. King said when he was talking about his eulogy. He said, when you, when you pick someone to do my eulogy, don't let it be a long one. And don't tell them about my three or four, don't let them tell, don't let them talk about my three or 400 awards and certificates. Oh, he yeah. said, uh, and if you want to tell them that I was a drum major, tell them that I was a drum major for justice. Mm. Tell them that I tried to help somebody. Tell them that I took a stand for what, what is right, righteousness. So um, I heard that a lot in your language. So sounds like you're on the that path. That gave me the chills. That was cool. I never heard that before. Oh, yeah. YouTube it. YouTube it. <laughs> Casey, once again, we appreciate you. Um, thank you for coming on the Prison Post podcast. Thank you for being one of the stars in the Ready for Life uh, pilot program, career development, professional workforce development program. We appreciate you. And for those of our guests that are watching, that's right. Crop swag. <laughs> I don't got the bag right now. We're gonna swag it up a little more, but uh, hey, that, that fluorescent green was was uh was pretty nice. Um, what I want to say to those out there watching the Prison Post podcast right now, talking with KC, is this: you know, to for a program like this, it requires funding. If you go on croporganization.org, you can hit that donate button. We for each of our Ready for Life associates, as you know, just like with KC, he's at work right now. They work a full day and then, you know, spend four hours with us at night and, you know, to to supplement um, their housing costs. You know, we we didn't even cover that. But, you know, KC uh, got a raise and, you know, lost a uh, lost his op opportunity to some of the. the um, subsidized, subsidized. subsidized housing opportunities and, and, you know, living out in the Bay Area is rough. And so we offer a thousand dollar stipend and um, and that definitely you know, can offset some of the costs, provides some of the some of the food and whatever else is needed. Um, but, um, you know, so if you'd like to donate to our program, you can hit that donate button on Crop Organization's website. If you want to follow us uh, on social media, um, you can hit us on any of the major social media channels or look at the prison post on YouTube or Crop Organization on YouTube. And um, there we also have a link tree that will connect you everywhere. Once again, thank you for coming on our show, KC. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank, Thank you for having me. And please donate because it's it's for everybody who's behind this this cohort as well. And for them for even opening their hearts to even have a, a seed of thought to want to do this. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm grateful and honored. So thank you. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Prison Post, a production of The Crop Organization. We'll be sharing more stories from the world of prison reform and restorative justice. So please join us. You can listen to The Prison Post on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe to our video cast on YouTube and like us on Facebook at The Prison Post and at Creating Restorative Opportunities and Programs.